0: Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte, exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry,
1: entirely uncut and unscripted. And there's nothing to do except go. (laughs) It's a not so, so serious, serious Sunday. Sunday. <laughs> Do you like that? I just like decided to drop in and we could harmonize that. It's a good beer, Evan. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Well played. No, I did. I did. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. Not that much though. I don't know. I didn't really care to be honest. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Neither here nor there. I don't know Oof. if that makes me feel better or worse. <laughs> no, you know, you try stuff out. You see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. But here we are. Here we are. To have another discussion Mm -hmm. related to artistry and industry Mm -hmm. and integrity and... Authenticity. And authenticity. Yeah. All of these words that we love (laughs) because of what they stand for. We love these words. Yeah. (laughs) We don't like the things themselves, but the words... (laughs) (laughs) It's really got a nice sound to it. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Authenticity. Authenticity. (laughs) Well now that you've left the podcast and you'll never come back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, you're still here. Yeah. Um, we're not drunk yet. No, nope. <laughs> No. We've just, uh, we
1: just don't know what we're going to talk about today. You know what we're going to talk about, audience yeah. member. I like that you imply that like pretty much at some point during every podcast, we're drunk. <laughs> we're not drunk yet. Not drunk yet. Yeah. Well, Which, we
0: haven't gotten drunk in a while on the podcast. No, really.
1: there were some early ones, I think, where we got a little bit a little bit sauced. Mm-hmm. Um, but that has not happened in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. No, we,
0: we keep it a little tamer now.
1: Yeah. More like, you know, just one pint of beer as opposed to like two
0: or three. Yeah.
1: It's <laughs> nice to be able to keep your faculties <laughs> about you a little bit yeah. as you're, as you're having a discussion of some depth. I know, but you don't want to take yourself too seriously. No, no, especially not on a serious Sunday. A not so serious Sunday. That's right cut it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so holy shit. <laughs> I think this is our longest it's, preamble ever on a not well, so serious You something. know what? Like I I listened to one of Kevin Smith's podcasts. Um I listened to a few of his. And among and some other people as well. And and you know, sometimes it takes them a little while to get into it. You yeah. Know, there's there this kind of thing happens. At the beginning, for a bit, and then they finally go. All right, let's get this shit together. Yeah, <laughs> let's get our shit together and talk about something <laughs> of of interest, or at least something that we find interesting. Mm-hmm. So, I was just first ading on a music video. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, Teresa Riley, who was uh, on an episode which past had, guest. She, I think she's number thirty or number thirty one. Yeah, it's, episode. Yeah, yeah, it hasn't even been released. Yeah. as the time of this, re- of this recording. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, we're re- it's coming up pretty soon. Her podcast episode has a great title too. Yeah. Yeah. So by the time you hear this, it will be up there and it's a terrific podcast and it'll have been up there for a long time. And it's art is best when you just, when you just don't, don't give, give a, a fuck. fuck. <laughs> <Patrice> <laughs> Riley. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so how did that, how did that shoot go? It's great. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the music video is going to be, um, it's going to turn out really awesome. It has, uh, the visuals look great. They did a lot of like, um, 60 frames per second. So it's going to be like ramped up really great dancers. Um, you know, who were there and it has this Mad Max feel. So like we're in this warehouse, it's all foggy and dark and you see like the beams of light coming through and stuff. Yeah. It should be out by the time this, this episode is released. So we'll just, we'll put it in the link for you. Well, hopefully we remember. Yeah. (laughs) but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll probably link it up, but, or at least, um, you know, find Teresa Riley and find her, um, song. It's it's called my daddy. Oh yeah. It's pretty sexy. All right. Sexy. Well, I mean, Teresa's a pretty sexy lady, you know? Yeah. Well, and she went for a sexy
1: video. She got some sexy dancers and then there's a bunch of dudes with dirt on them. (laughs) And there was smoke and it was, uh, and -hmm. it was sexy. Yeah, it was sexy. All right. Yeah. So that was fun. Um, I don't know. What else? (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. Is this the one? Is this the one, Brandon? No, it's not the one. No, it's It's not not the one. one. Well, we'll get this on board. Well, um, by the way, uh, I might as well just tell you this now. Um, I created a Trello board for our movie on the highway. Oh yes. I saw the invite on my inbox. Yeah. I sent
0: you a link to, you know, this could be something maybe we'll talk a little bit about. I know you know nothing about it yet, but I can fill in our audience cause, uh, it might be able to help them.
1: Yeah. It's kind of like a, a whiteboard
0: app or yeah. something like that. Right. Basically it's a tool for your team to be able to coordinate. Um, and you basically create a board with sections on your board. So for example, for our film, what I did was like, um, you know, basically, uh, pre like production prep. Right. So I created a board for that pre-production you know, or like green lighting period or whatever, uh, pre-production, production, post-production, um, uh, marketing, advertising and distribution. So then with all those sections, you can create like tasks list. Right. And you can actually put details in them and you can link videos and you can link all our documents. Like we can actually link the script to the board. So at any point you can go and say you want to Look at the shooting script or you want to look at say a very early draft of the script it can all be linked to the board and you can kind of go in yeah so it's good right and uh, you check off the bits and then they kind of you don't have to look at them anymore and um, it's also neat is now that I've kind of created this uh, say production template um, what we can do is we can actually just copy it and we for every movie we ever make we can just use the same board and just restart from scratch again and do all the same tasks over. And we can actually build kind of a blueprint for making movies. Nice. Yeah. So I created a team, Breaking Entertainment. That's our team name. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And I created even a little poster. I sent it to you. Yeah. Yeah. I did see that. Yeah. Very stylized picture of us, but a couple of, a couple of jackasses just (laughs) grinning and (laughs) (laughs) like we are now. Yeah, pretty much.
0: Um, yeah. So, you know, I don't know, there's all these, there's all these great tools out there for, uh, you know, getting movies made and being creative. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of the time, you know, artists just don't realize that this stuff's out there. And I think a lot of these things are, they tend to be tailored more to like business people or marketers and stuff. Um, but you know, there's all sorts of uses for artists, especially with teamwork. And I, I know we talked about this in, uh, you know, Um, creative partnerships. We had a podcast on that. But one of the biggest things I found with partnerships is accountability. And Mm. one thing I like about this particular um, program, it's free online, you know, Um, you can use it and it keeps everybody kind of accountable because you can actually put the team member to do certain tasks. So, if the task doesn't get done, it's kind of linked to that team member, right? And so people can come in and pick up the slack, but this way everybody's kind of held accountable for their jobs. Yeah, and what's really or good, about everybody that,
1: knows what their job is. Exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah, because that's another thing. Sometimes people we'll just don't know what they're doing. Yeah, and um, I think it's a good way for a team and a partnership to work together because that way, you know, everybody feels like they're kind of contributing. And I think there's, I think there's two problems that happen with partnerships. One is sometimes someone's not doing the work because probably more often because they don't know to do the work or the other person say like type a or something and they just end up doing it all. And then they don't realize that the person who's doing it all is kind of like, why are you picking up the slack? The other person's like, I don't even know what to do. You know? It's yeah. like, <laughs> so it's a good way for everybody to kind of be on the same page. And then, you know, the other thing is this, the person who's not contributing, um, can feel like they don't have as much ownership over the project. So if they are given jobs, they can feel like, Oh, well, you know, I have some ownership over this. I, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm creating this part of it. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I mean, so, I know for like, for myself, sometimes like I, I have difficulty delegating myself to to certain amounts of work. So it's like, it's something that like, I kind of have to make a point of doing sometimes it's like, okay, this is what I'm doing. Like this, this is where I'm focusing my task because it's not, because yeah, it is, it's not knowing what it is that you're supposed to do Mm -hmm. that leads to like, sort of, you just don't end up really doing anything or you do, you do very little because you're just like, I don't know exactly what I'm in responsible for or in charge of, or what I should be focusing on. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's like being able to know exactly what isn't just set it up, like very simply for yourself. It's just like, it makes the job, like delegation is almost, and and knowing where you're responsible is probably more work than the actual, like, it's probably half the battle. Yeah. Pretty much. Like, well, especially if you've never gone
0: through and made a film before. I mean, there's, you know, there's lots of stuff to do. And, and I think what's really good about having like a board or I, I used to always make lists, but this is better because you can make a list, but it's interactive. Yeah. So you can kind of look into the list as opposed to it just being this thing on paper. And I'm going to check that off. Like, if it says, um, you know, let's say, uh, for, for sections of the board, there's, um, say we need to do table read and then we need to create uh, a new 90 page draft. And then the next one is we, on the next section is a, a just shooting script. Right. And all those are different tasks. And so, you know, we can actually look in and we can go, okay, well, we've created this shooting script, but, you know, there's this problem if we, we can't shoot this or whatever, there's not in the budget or we could, the, you know, the way that we are planning on shooting this, we actually have more options now. So we can kind of like actually look into this one task we had. It's not just a little bit on paper that's been checked off and you can go into it, look at the script, look at how the script's been revised or whatever. Yeah. And then, you know, and the, the other thing that's really neat about this board thing, which I, I'm excited about using as we move forward is, you know, if anyone who's ever done production, there's different um, versions of the script, you know, they, mm-hmm. you know, that they, they make different colors. So you yeah. can, you can just attach the different colors. And so then what happens is you can always access at any point online, cause it's all in a cloud you can just grab that script. Yeah. Right. No one has to go on their hard drive or their specific computer or whatever. Everyone on the team has instant access to that script or whatever document you need. Yeah. Or the budget's been changed or whatever. It's all there. Right. Yeah. So we just basically link in yeah. whatever we want and we can put notes there and we can message each other through the board. So the messages don't get lost in your email. Mm-hmm. Really great stuff. Right a lot better than just having a list with a bunch of points on it, which is what, you know, old school producing
1: in a lot of ways. is. And I mean, (laughs) you know, there's probably still a value to, to keeping those sorts of things, but yeah, I mean, we have so much amazing technology at our disposal that, and so much of it is free. Yeah. You just, you can use it and get pretty much what you need for the most part, unless you're like really heavily involved in which I'm sure you can probably pay for this program. Yeah. I mean, there's a,
0: if you want, I mean, I'm sure people are sitting on the other end free, huh? What's the catch? Yeah. (laughs) But it's a, there's a business class and I mean, basically, you know, there's probably a monthly fee. I I think it's pretty reasonable, but what happens is you just get more, um, you basically get more options. You, you can, Design your board in a more specific way, and you can do these cool filters. Um, right. For example, they have I don't know, I think, I think they have like 20 or something more filters, and they're probably constantly developing them. But like on your free, you can only use like one or two of the filters. Okay. But if you have a business class, you can use all the filters. So, like a couple filters that really appealed to me were one was you could set um, calendar linked events. So you could link events that are on this board to a calendar. That's mm. a, that's an option. You get one of those free, right? Or you could use this other one, which basically makes the board look like, or areas of the board look old when they haven't been taken care of after a long period of time. So instantly, when you look at the board, you see this um, task that's been neglected because it looks like old. Right. And like worn out. And that's kind of a neat app to have like, or addition to have on your board because it kind of gives you this instant feedback visually, yeah. which makes it really easy to kind of go, Oh, I better take care of that. That's starting to look pretty ugly. You yeah. Know I mean? Like it's almost like, so you can, and, and there's that's a bunch of cool. other ones. Right. But, um, so if you use the business class, you get all those features and different color yeah. kits and whatever. Right. But, Um, it just depends how much you want to use the board and interact with it. And obviously like big businesses are going to get the professional class Mm -hmm. because they want all the, you know, whistles, whatever, but bells
1: and whistles, bells and whistles, the bells, the bells. bells. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, But you know, I mean, uh, you know, there's this stuff out there and so why not?
1: Yeah. I was recently just talking to, um, a friend of mine who's a musician and, uh, and just like moved to Vancouver, like, a six weeks ago or something like that. And he was, he was looking just for opportunities and trying to like hook up and link with people to, to put some stuff together. And, and he's, uh, he's just like a super energetic, like likes to make stuff and like put stuff out there. And I was telling him about, uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt's, um, site and his, um, sort of business, uh, hit record. Yeah. And he'd never heard of it before. And I just explained to him, and if you haven't heard of hit record, uh, it's basically like, a, it's a site, it's a forum. It's kind of this place where, uh, artists of all types come together with projects. At least this is as far as I understand it. Um, and you put up like things that you just need, you know, like you need some scoring or you need somebody to do this or that for a project that you're doing and people will just make stuff for you. Cool. And they've done some pretty extraordinary stuff already. Like they've made like this community and they're from all over the world. Like they've made films and albums and like all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's an incredible time to be able to just express and like collaborate with people.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's really interesting because, um, people don't, I mean, a lot of artists and I I think people in general don't realize that the way to get ahead and the way to get what you want is to give it's actually to go out and offer your services and find ways to help and participate and collaborate and, and do that. Um, and I would say that, one of the struggles a lot of people have is they're out there trying to get all the time. Mm -hmm. And so like they're trying to get, and then they're experiencing the world of always trying to get right. And people aren't giving them what they want. And they're trying to figure out, well, how do I get someone to give me what I want? And what they don't realize is all you got to do is just reverse the whole thing. You start giving. And, and, uh, what he did there was he created an entire community, which is based on if you give, you're going to start to create contacts. You're going to start yeah. to create help, and like, I would not be surprised if the people who go out of their way to help and give that goodwill off the bat are the ones who are succeeding through programs like that. Mm-hmm. And other things work like that too. I mean, uh, you know, it's small, small little successes. But I mean, we just launched our podcast. I mean, we've only been live really to the public for just over a month now, and we've grown um, on Twitter. 1300, 1,300 followers in a month. We got yeah. sixty new followers just yesterday and we haven't paid a dollar, done any advertising, done anything. All we do on our Twitter account is offer value. We just give value, give value, give value. Here's something that might help you. Here's something that might help you, here's something that might help you. And people want to connect with us. And you know what? It's, it's actually our podcast is continuing to grow. We're continuing to get messages and connecting with people all the time, because if we go out there and we, and we're, I think we're good. We're just trying to be role models of it is we go out there and we give, and then people, want to connect with us because yeah. we're constantly offering and, and building value. And so what's what's interesting is now we're getting value back because people are resharing our posts, they're liking them. We're finding people are finding us who we have no real way of getting in touch with or don't know how to, mm-hmm. you know. Um yeah, and it's 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 amazing. So, you know, I mean who knows where this will all go if it will compound into more. But, um, you know, for, for just freshly launching and not doing any advertising really whatsoever, other than sharing value, I think we've made a pretty good like splash on our first month. So
1: yeah, it's been fun. Oh, it has been. I mean, it was, it was fun regardless. Yeah. I mean, that's always a good place to be in when you're creating content is if you, if you would just be doing it anyhow, yeah, whether people were, were taking it in or not. But I think it's, it's this thing of, of, really learning to trust you know like what you're doing and, and what you're giving and and that that's somehow all going to come around mm-hmm. right um but it it does it's like we're we're sort of trained to think think the opposite way like we we've always got to think how we got to get something how we got to sell people yeah. Right. And it's just like, ugh. Like it's such, a, like it's such an outdated model of business now. Like, which is why I just love new entrepreneurs. Yeah. You know, like new entrepreneurs have like, ah, I just love it. I just love the whole mentality. It's like, no, let's just like give to people. There's such a, um, a spirit of like a really almost a renaissance of sorts in business mm-hmm. and and entrepreneurship. Of it's like, no, like let's let's collaborate. Let's Work together, like let's let's build connections and and make some shit happen. Yeah, you know, and it's kind of it's somewhat out of necessity right. to a degree that you know we've been learning to do this. But I think as almost like the offshoot of it and the byproduct is that we're learning that it feels a lot better. To do business this way, to connect with people in this way, right? Totally. And then, then having to be like, Ugh, you know, like the the whole old stigma of the salesperson. Oh man, I gotta convince this person that they that they want this and blah blah blah. And it's like, no, just worry about like the value that you're giving. Yeah, no, totally, and yeah. trust it. Trust it. I mean, that's the that's where things
0: have gone. I mean, now you know, our generation, we've we've heard the sale pitches. We've uh, you know, we're savvy to it all now. Yeah. And, and we, and, and I think this is a generation now too, where people are very in touch with authenticity, like in a way that, in a way that we will just turn off. We will just unfollow, close. We don't watch your commercial. We just move on. If we're no. not given value, we just turn it off and we just walk away and we, yeah. we, we, we are, and, and it's we, good and it's a good thing. Yeah. You know, like it used to be that you, you're watching television or you got a call and, and basically people would listen to this telemarketer. Now people are like, nope, don't got time. Sorry that you don't mean to upset you, but I'm yeah. hanging up. Some people don't even say this, they, they just hang up. You know, we were in a generation now where it's like, we've had enough interruption marketing. We've had enough of people, with trying to get us to do something with them or for them without offering any value whatsoever up front. Mm-hmm. And we're like, no, you know what? There's an abundance. There's other places I can go. So if you're not going to offer any
1: value. Yeah. Um, and the inauthenticity. Yeah. Throw it over. The inauthenticity, the, the inauthenticity. What is this of, word? Of it, inauthenticity. <laughs> <laughs> but that like is yeah. another big part of it as well. It's mm-hmm. just like we, there's you get a sense of when people are selling, like you just know, like, because it's a feeling, you know, it you is feel like when someone's just like selling you on something, they're pushing you and they're riding you hard on like, on trying to, cause you know, you don't want this thing. Like you kind of already know. You don't know if you want it or not that uh, you actually don't know,
0: but not always. The thing is, is that the thing is, is that they're pushing it in a way and you go, I don't know if I want it, even if I do want it. Cause I don't like the way you're giving it to me. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like, I feel like I'm being like swindled somehow. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't feel good to sell either. I, I mean, very few people, unless they're like narcissistic or like sociopathic or, or, just fucking like missing a screw. Like most people don't want to sell. They yeah. don't want to sell that way. But like, um, and, and, you know, people have weird, uh, you know, relationships around the word se- selling and enrollment and things like that. But in enrollment, or if you want to call it sales or whatever, like true sales is done by, I'm super excited about something. And I'm telling you that I'm super excited about it. Genuinely. I'm not like, I'm yeah. just excited about it. Whether you are excited about it or not is kind of irrelevant, but I'm like, I'm excited about this. Are you interested? And then you go, yeah, that sounds pretty interesting. Cause you're interested and I want to know a little more. Yeah. And I get your permission. And then I go, well, let me tell you a little bit about, it. I love this movie because of blah, blah, blah. or I love this thing because of blah, blah, blah. And then you go, okay, cool. I'd like to find out about that. Like yeah. when I was talking about Trello, honestly, I have I have no association with them. I don't care if you sign up for them. I don't
1: care. We're not being paid by Trello,
0: (laughs) but I'm excited about it. It's actually really helping me to get this film off the ground that we're going to make. Yeah. And I'm enjoying it. I'm also using it for my business. If other people want to use it too. Great. But that's, that's how sales needs to go. It's like, I'm resharing it only because I'm interested and I find it useful, not because I'm getting something out of it. Now, if I was getting something out of it, the key is for me not to focus on what I'm getting, but but sharing it with you because I believe that you should have one too. It's like having the new best phone. It's not because I get a commission because you get the phone, but I really believe this is a great phone. So you know, if you don't have a cell phone or if you don't have this phone, yeah. you know, whatever. I'm just making it up. Yeah, you know what I mean. You know, it's, and then this, my phone went off.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is like so, so interesting. This reminds me of of one of the the lessons I learned from my acting teacher Larry Silverberg, where he said. Um, the audience will get interested when you get interested. Yeah. Right. And it was like, and, and you start to learn these things in in a very simple way, but like as an actor, you know, you're always pretending to do stuff. It's like a weird thing. It's like, well, we'll do all of this work and in all these other ways. And then we'll actually like, we'll get into doing a task or something within a scene. Yeah. Like, you know, whether it's like you're you know, this happens all the time. This is classic example of just like driving nuts about the kind of shit that still goes on in, in the acting world Mm -hmm. and like in professional productions and stuff. But a classic one is people drinking from a cup that has nothing in it. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's so obvious when, when it's happening. Right. And it's, it's like, no, like you actually, actually do it right? Actually do these things. And so it was like, we learned how to, it's like, oh yeah, don't pretend to to do this stuff. And, you know, it would start out in basic ways. Like we, you know, you're doing a puzzle or you're drawing a very specific, you know, portrait of something or what, whatever. Right. But you really, you really do it. You don't pretend to do it. You really do it. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is that like, you know, here we are for, you know, weeks on end for like 12 hours a day, watching people just perform tasks and you're just, and you're just engrossed in what the person is doing because they're really doing it. And I think it speaks to, uh, uh, on a deeper level of, it's like, there's that, there's that genuineness, there's an authenticity to it. Right. And it, it comes the same way with our, with our passion and the things that we're, we're the value that we're putting out there. And that's how people get on board. It's not because you're telling them to be interested in this. It's because you are fucking interested in it. Yes. And now, you just want people
0: to be a part of it. Right. Totally. Well, and sometimes you don't even, it's not even about having people be a part of it. Like if you ever watch like a kid play imagination, it's so amazing. It's so like captivating. Cause when they're usually like, when they're playing their game, they're really trying to do it. They're really trying to play house. You know, yeah. they're really like trying it on and trying to do it as though it's real. And mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a, you know, there's, I mean, sometimes kids will mimic, they'll be like, I saw an adult do this and then they're doing, but they're really mimicking. Right. But sometimes, you know, you'll, you'll catch a kid in the act of really like trying to imagine they are this person and trying to like be it and role play and do it. And it's, it's just a, a, a captivating thing. Right. And it's so funny because like, as an adult and then we get into artistry, especially in acting and like, that's why kids are kind of so much of the answer of like what we're really doing. Like they're not doing it. They don't even know you're watching them most of the time. Yeah. You know, they're, they're just engaged. Right. And that's the thing. Right. And and that's, that's where, you know, sales and enrollment and all this other stuff and, and community and connection and growth come from is being engaged, mm-hmm. being truthfully, honestly, authentically engaged in something. And you know, not doing it for the audience that's watching you. I'm not trying to be engaged because I know that audience wants me to be engaged, but I'm being engaged because I want to be engaged. Yeah. <laughs> like, like regardless of how it
1: looks, you know? Well, yeah. because the thing is, is that as an audience, we want to feel connected. Yeah. You know, we want to be connected to what's happening. I think that's, I mean, for me, I think connection is just so huge in, in, what we're doing as, as artists. I think that's yeah, kind of what it's, what it's really all about building to a large degree. Well, and I think people are, you
0: know, I think, uh, we live in a society where we have more people than ever and people are lonelier than ever. Yeah. And, um, I think that's why, you know, we, you know, we, we, we get our connection through media and we get our connection through, you know, Facebook and things like that, because, you know, Twitter, whatever, because these are ways in which we feel, um, there, there is some form of way we can connect. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, I think it's, it's, it's a funny thing. I mean, I, I do hope that people will begin to catch on that giving is actually what connects us. It's, um, you know, it's that whole saying, and I know it sounds so silly, but it is that world of abundance. When you, When you see the world as abundant, you you naturally give because Mm -hmm. you see yourself and you see everything that you want is so abundant that there's no reason to try to go out and get it because it's just it's like it's like everywhere you look there's a fruit tree. You can always pick the apple or Mm -hmm. whatever fruit. You you can always get it. So you never really have to look for it. And so what you do is you go, well, here, I'll give you this. I have this here. Let me give you this. And then all of a sudden people are delivering you the apple. You know, you don't, you don't ever have to go and look for it. Yeah. And so, but when, you know, it's, isn't it funny how like, and people say this, like, you know, when you're not trying to date anybody, all of a sudden you meet the love of your life. Yeah. But like when you're trying to find that person, you can't for the life of you find, find yeah. a person or the right person. Right. Because it's when you're looking for it, you, you have this, um, idea of scarcity, when you're not looking for it and you're, and you're kind of being you and you're engaged in life, you attract that person too. Cause they, you, you don't realize that you're unknowingly going out there and they're watching you and they're engaged in you because you're yeah. engaged in life. Right. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's so, it, and it, it's a weird way that the world and the universe works Yeah. because it is, it's uncanny. Like we've all, had experiences like that, or we all know people who've had a story like that, where it was something kind of changed and you start and you kind of let go of something you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm all right. I don't need this thing. And then boom, there, it kind of shows up, right? Yeah. Cause you're, you're sort of ready for it in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been, I've been listening to a bunch of, um, Alan Watts stuff, if you're, I'm sure you've probably heard some of his, his things like circulate virally okay. or last a little while. Um, and he was kind of like, a he's an Englishman, uh, who studied a lot of, uh, Eastern philosophy and was kind of like one of the first people to really like understand it on a profound level and like bring it into like the Western world. And he was in this particular talk, he was talking about, um, the, the difference between having faith in something and, and, you know, believing in something. And basically he was saying, you you know, you got to think about it. Like you're like, you're in the water. He's like, and when you're trying to believe something, like you're, you're grasping at something, like you're, you're reaching out, you're trying to, to grab hold and all you're going to do is drown it's like, in faith that you just like, you just let go and you float to the surface. Mm. Right. And I thought, Oh, that's such like, it, there's so much like in that. And some of what this conversation is here is kind of like making me think about something like that, yeah. you know, where it's like, you know, once you stop worrying about getting, you know, trying to grab on and hold something and clutch it. Right. And you let, you kind of let go of some of those things, you're actually more able to receive them
0: Mm -hmm.
1: because you're like, you're, you just, it's a shift. It's a profound shift in your focus and what you're doing, where you're saying, it's like, it doesn't really matter whatever, whatever comes my way, because this is what I'm doing. Mm. This is what I am doing in the world. And that has a profound ability to shape and affect your world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Totally. That's, you know, it's, It's an interesting thing like um, with this
0: whole abundance thing too. I mean, you know, like when they say when an airplane's going down, you you put your mask on first before you start helping anyone else. Mm. And, um, you know, and there's this mentality that you hear in our society. It's like me first, you know, take care of number one. Well, if you're in the mode of take care of number one, what you are saying to yourself and the universe and everyone around you is that I'm not taken care of. I'm in trouble right now. I need to take care of me because I can't even take care of anyone else because I'm so fucked up. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm, you know, and the thing is, is when you go, no, I'm good. I I'm good. doesn't matter where I'm at. I'm, I'm, I'm solid. Things are taken care of here. I got my bills covered. I got my food covered my shelter. I got everything taken care of. No worries. Everything I want is coming my way. I don't, I'm in need of nothing what do you need, man? You know, and then you start going out there you start helping other people. And it's, it's, the funny thing is, is that even if you can, and I, you can do this because it can come from any place. You know, there's a lot of, um, you know, there's amazing people. I, I'm not going to list off the names, but there's lots of people who will tell their story and say, I was $60,000 in debt. I was $150,000 in debt. I was broke. I was, you know, I was without a job. Without a job, I had no love in my life. I had no career prospects. I was just totally screwed. And I think what happens is you hit this rock bottom point where you just realize like I can't lose anymore. You can't take any more from me and it's not going to matter if you did. If you took any more from me, it wouldn't really make a difference cuz I can't go any lower. You know, the, the only thing you could do is kill me. And I don't even care about that anymore.
1: <laughs> that, no, yeah. that almost sounded like an Owen Wilson it speech. It
0: a little.
1: <laughs> I, mean, I started to do, I think I'm learning something for you, yeah. right? Um, but, uh, no, but it's great. Yeah. I like so, what you're saying.
0: So you hit this part of rock bottom where you just don't, you know, there is no lower place to go. And even if there is a lower place, it doesn't affect you anymore. Right. And so from there you become abundant. Because when you can't lose anything and you are kind of not needing and scrambling anymore and you kind of let go, you begin to float to the top. And it's this weird thing of the universe, of humanity. I don't know what it is, but when we hit rock bottom, we have only to rise. And so we do. And I think it's um, Tony Robbins who says, like, when people are basically put in a hard spot, I'm totally misquoting. Him. I'm doing an Evan right now. <laughs> Jeez. I'm just it like, I'm no, it no, <laughs> boop, boop. no, it's funny. Uh, jab, jab. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, wait, the hook's coming, but no, um, he was saying, you know, when people are basically put into this spot, they tend to, they tend to survive. They tend to try to live. Mm-hmm. It's in, it's in our nature to, you know, to basically to want to live like, you know, we can walk around, um, and kind of go, Oh, I don't really care if I'm alive when everything's comfortable. But when things get actually extremely uncomfortable and painful, our survival instincts start to kick in and, um, and we dig deep. Yeah, we dig deep and, and, you know, we start to, you know, and so that's part of it. And so I think
1: like, um, there's a, there can be an, a kind of a, a clarity Yeah. in being rock bottom that you can find. Yes about a lot of things. Yeah. This is speaking from experience, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow,
0: continue. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you hit, you hit a point and, um, you know, uh, the, y- there's almost, um, there's a will that can come out and I don't think you have to necessarily hit rock bottom. I think there's a psychology to it. Yeah. The psych- and, and I think some people have to hit rock bottom because they're so attached that they have to lose attachments before they'll even let them go. Yeah. But I think you can do it through, um, you know, well, I feel I've hit rock bottom in my life and bounce back. So, you know, maybe this is not, tr- not the case, but I think that people can, um, through spirituality, through psychology, through personal growth work, they can learn detachment without having to literally hit rock bottom. I think yeah. there's methods and ways. Um, and I've applied some of them myself. But for me, I had to do it the hard way. I had to basically hit rock bottom and like get to a point where I'm like, I'm so screwed, you know? And I just be like, well, it doesn't matter anymore. And so then, you know, I rose back up. Um, but detachment, you know, and, and there's still things that I find I'm attached to now and then, and and I can kind of root them out, but I don't have to go to rock bottom again to get rid of those. Yeah. But I did kind of have to hit a low point for myself to really be like, okay, why am I hanging on to this shit so tight? What does this really matter yeah. Yeah.
1: There's um a really powerful question that you can ask yourself. This is like a thing that I I've, I've recently just learned was something that if you are feeling so courageous and brave, <laughs> you look at something that at, at a fear that you that you're having. Like something that is stopping you from doing things in your life, right? You look at this thing that's like you say, "Okay, what is this thing that I fear?" Like, what is this image that I have in my mind of this horrible thing that I'm dreading? And ask, so what? Hmm. Ask the so what question and follow it all the way through. And that was something that happened to me recently where I was just like, okay, so what, what if that happened? What if this was, what if this was true? What if I lose my house? Yeah. Like what? So, so what, what if this what, person breaks up with What if I
0: lose all my money? So what?
1: Yeah, and you keep, and you and, and, and you, you follow it all the way through, it. and then yeah. you eventually just go. It wouldn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Like it, that, at least in my conclusion, it was like this thing that I I had been holding on to. I'm like, it doesn't really change anything. No, it didn't really make a one bit of difference at all. <laughs> and I was just like, oh. And suddenly there was just like, I felt like this incredible freedom Mm -hmm. around this thing that I was just like, Oh, okay. Like I, I don't even really know what I'm afraid of in there anymore. Like there's nothing, it was just the, it was my, my attachments. It was my meanings that I was putting onto it. And sometimes in order to kind of discover it, and usually, you know, I've heard that it's like fears, fears are all just illusions, right? So you have to look at, once you start looking at all of your fears as being some type of an illusion, sometimes you just have to go into it a little bit. And that so what question is like a good way to approach it. Mm-hmm. Just be like, okay, so what, right? As opposed to, because for me, at least it gives me a little bit of a removal from it and a little bit of a detachment from this thing into more of a hypothetical as opposed to me being in it. Mm-hmm. Right? if that makes
0: any sense. Yeah, no, I hear you. I, I think people, you know, there's, um, there's another, there's another version of that question and it does another tool. It's the what if question and the, so what, and the what if are great questions when used appropriately. Mm-hmm. Um, cause people could go, well, you know, I could go to this thing, but like, so what I could do this thing, but so what, and they use it. So what against themselves? Like, y- y- so what's good when you use it to, to bark up the tree of a fear or something, right? Yeah. Like to, you know, you know, but it's not good when you use it to make yourself careless and like, yeah. you know, detach yourself from your passions. Cause it's a tool, right? It's a de- tool of detachment. Okay. So yeah, you yeah. don't want to use, you don't want to detach yourself from things you, things that are actually building value. You only want to detach yourself from things that are destroying value. Right. And then there's another one, which is the what if. You don't want to use that. You don't want to use what if towards destructive. So what if, what if there's an earthquake? What if my partner leaves me? What if I lose on this business venture? Yeah. Destruction. It will just lead you down a road of destruction. But if you use what if the other way to bark up a tree that's of building value, like what if I made a million dollars? What, what if this actually worked out? What if you know, what if they, oh, she said yes, yeah. what if uh what if you know and so it actually so that so what and what if are amazing tools of attachment and detachment, but you have to use them yeah. appropriately or they can actually lead you to your destruction no, and demise
1: absolutely, and because yeah. I, I hadn't even considered that, or just like doing the so what at for and applying that to you know the things that you want to do, yeah <laughs> you know it was like no, it was like about the fierce but, but people it's do. so interesting because yeah. um. It is. You need to, That that's something that I think mentally we need to shift because I feel like we are so many of us are so naturally inclined to use those in the wrong way. Yeah. Right. We're basically like, we use the what if in relation to our fears and we use the, so what in relation to passions, th- and our desires. passions and our desires. Right. Yeah. it's like, no flip it. Yes just splitter. just totally flip it around say so what to your fears and what if to your to your to your dreams boom. right that you got it boom <laughs> I like this and it's a good remi- yeah totally
0: and it's a, <laughs> it's a good reminder I mean it's so simple it's two words in either direction you can totally dig yourself out of a hole yeah um and 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 the mind is an amazing thing because the mind always answers the question that's the cool mm-hmm. thing about our minds is our mind goes if you ask a shitty question, it will give you a shitty answer. If you ask me a great question, it will give you a great answer.
1: If you're and, looking for a shitty answer, you'll get a shitty answer.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> don't look for shitty answers. Don't direct your mind to do that. And and just learn to direct your mind to give you more of what you actually truly want that builds yeah. your value. Um, you know, it's an, it's an interesting thing. Like when you're in this place of scarcity, right, you're going to, you know, you're probably going to work from fear, mm. which is funny because you just, as we just described, scarcity gets you to direct your mind the wrong way. And that's why it leads to more scarcity and so on. But when you're in abundance, I mean, and anybody who has had, maybe you got a big bonus at work, or you just made more money than you expected, or you got something you didn't expect, right? people tend to kind of flourish right after that happens because they feel abundant and they feel like I can do anything. And so what ends up happening is for a period of time, you have this elation of your, your, your mind and mental thoughts actually pushing you to flourish. But then what happens is we, um, we base those questions based on our material world, as opposed to just based on internal principles. So like, for example, um, if I just say, you know, if I picked up a lottery ticket and I won a million dollars, all of a sudden for a period of time, because I had the million dollars, I would naturally begin to start applying these principles in a good way, right? Well, what if I, what if I bought the Ferrari? What if I did this? What if I did that? And all of a sudden I'm feeling so great, right? Mm -hmm. But now the million dollars runs out. I bought the Ferrari, I bought the mansion, I did the stuff. Maybe I was silly with the money. But now what happens, instead of asking, what if I go, what if I run out of money? What if what if I run out of money and the person I'm with now doesn't love me anymore? What if all my friends were only here because I had money? What if, what if, what if, and all of a sudden, boom, you start literally destroying your life because now, but it's based on the material world as opposed to the internal world, which is the internal world is, well, I have less money than I began with because I bought the Ferrari, the house, the, uh, um, so what? I have a Ferrari. So what I have a mansion, you know, it's yeah. like, right. It's like, you know, yeah, like it was worth it, you know, like, and like, uh, what if the, what if the, you know, the, you can all of a sudden, and you can combat thoughts, like your thought goes, well, what if my partner is only with me because I have money? So what I'll get a will get a partner that's with me for not, you know, like, cause if they're really with me for not having money, then that's good. I'm going to find out and then I can get the right person. Yeah. You know, it's all good.
1: <laughs> Like abundance. Yeah. Right? It's amazing. <laughs> I wow. don't know. It's just so funny. How yeah. It's just simple thing, right? No, it is. And, and so much, so much of how our lives unfold is about how we are mentally choosing to see things. Yeah. And the thing is we do have a choice. We have a choice in how we look at everything. Yeah. And we're, we're not like in our last podcast, we were talking about you know how um, most of us think that you know we take the world in, yeah, right. You know that that we are just you know, af- like affected by the world, you know, like we are just being tossed by the wind and blown and like, and <laughs> getting <laughs> well, <blown laughs> just getting blown around. And like, we have no control over, over any of it. And it's like, you know, there's a lot of things that we don't have control we don't control anything external to us. However, we do have complete control within, with how we take the world in. Yeah and how we project the world out, because that's what we were talking about in our last one. It's just like, we are actually projecting the world out. And we have a limited
0: in the, in the other way is like the way taking the world in what happens in the world and what we can do physically in the world. We have some control, but it's just very, very limited. And what's hard for us as human beings or just any animal, any, any thing is it's hard to tell what we control and what we don't. I mean, um, for example, uh, you know, um, it's called like correspondence control. Like when you believe that your emotions are actually getting you something in the world, well, they're not necessarily like, like if I get angry and you give me what I want, it wasn't because I got angry necessarily that got me what I want. It's because you decided to give me what I wanted. Although my emotion affected you to some degree, it wasn't a hundred percent in control of you. And so what ends up happening is because we have, uh, we're never hundred percent in control of the outside world, mm-hmm. but we are, have some, we have influence. This yeah. is, a, this is a thing, you know, it's interesting. We bring up this talk because this has been something I've been working on for quite a while mm-hmm. is really going and really drawing a very clear line between what is influence and what is control. And what I've ultimately come to, and I, actually maybe you're, you're right, you control what's inside of you, you can control what you project, but you only influence what comes in and you only influence the environment around you. Yeah. Um, and sometimes your influence uh, occurred long before the moment you're in it. Meaning that if I yelled at someone several months ago, and now we're in a, a, a moment where they get agitated and they yell back at me, I actually influence them to yell back at me or be scared of me or whatever when I yelled at them several months ago, but it's really hard for us to tie. Right. Right. <laughs> Wait a minute. Like how, like we don't see the seven month like connection. Yeah. We, we only, we're like living in the moment and we, and that's why we feel we're at the whim of it, which is, I'm really trying to like, it's, it's a hard line to decipher because we experience our, our life much in the moment. We don't necessarily like, see ourselves getting ourselves into trouble all the time. Mm -hmm. We all of a sudden we're in trouble and we're like, Oh shit, I'm in trouble. But it's like, no, you kind of got yourself here. Like somehow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, but, um, but anyway, I cut you off, but you're right. I mean, that's what was our last talk. It was, we're talking about how the only thing we can control is our internal experience and what we, how we project the world outward and where we have trouble is we, um, and we we, we think we're taking it in and we think that that is controlling us. Mm-hmm. I think that's what you were going to yeah,
1: say. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, yeah like, that's an I didn't mean to cut I'm... you off. I think I no, was no, no, actually was... clarifying a lot for myself. No, that was, that was perfectly fine. What you just did there. Okay. That was perfectly fine. I thought I
0: like, it was funny. Cause I walked into
1: it thinking, Oh, I know this. And then I was like,
0: no, wait a minute. I'm discovering let's, this. Let's, let's,
1: <laughs> let's go down into this one a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really, fascinating thing, the power of the mind. It really is. So how does this, how how are we bringing this back into like artistry? And I mean, it usually always does tie in. I mean, all of this stuff ties in with our, our ability to freely create. I think that's kind of what a lot of our show has become about, you know, like it's just about getting past a lot of our blocks sometimes, you know, really like getting at the root of, and these are not just blocks for artists. These are blocks to us as, as human beings, you know, things that, that, get in the way of us doing what we love. I think just as artists, we're very sensitive people, Yeah, you know, we're just very, and we're in vulnerable fields, you know, we're, Mm -hmm. we're really putting ourselves out there in big ways. I think, um, you know, I,
0: I, I think that I see the tie actually between the artistry and industry. I think the unfortunate thing is that because our podcast is like, you know, we're artists and we're talking about the industry and how it relates to art. I think the unfortunate thing is that it, it, um, doesn't attract people who are necessarily industry based, who aren't in the arts. Um, yet I think it's actually totally relevant to them, but because the word artistry or artist, you know, in our culture seems like, Oh, this is just for creatives. You know, it isn't really because I think, um, what I'm seeing, the more we do these podcasts is that artistry and industry is, is simply a part of life in every field. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, industry is, how do we commercialize? How do we connect with the external world? How do we kind of give them what they need, you know, so that we can function and contribute and what's our relationship to the whole interdynamics of this, right? Whereas artistry is more about what's my personal experience and how do I express that authentically and truthfully without like selling out because I want to please everybody else and give them value, you know? And so it's, but it's, we're, we're all with that battle. Like yeah. there is not a single person I believe who, who is really um, exempt from that. Yeah. But some people can mask it more because they just work in, in, uh, fields and stuff where it's more industry based where yeah. it's simply about, okay, I do this job within this time limit and deliver this product by this point. And it's very simple and measurable and clear. And they're, personhood is not very much in the job. Mm -hmm. You know, like if you're on a, you know, an industrial worker, like, you know, you're, you're, for example, you're making barbed wire fences, right? Chain linked barbed wire fences. That's your job. You work at a steel factory and it's like the steel and the fences don't care about you as a person, you know, and (laughs) most of the companies that are hiring you don't really care about how you feel that day. They simply want their fence by this time to protect their property or do whatever they want yeah. to do with it. And, and so you just become a middleman to the, to the product. And so you don't see yourself in it so much you do, but you don't think anyone else really cares. Uh, I would imagine. Whereas like as an actor, you are your product, you are the fence. So you don't get to like, like if you show up disheveled and you haven't dressed properly and you're in an audition and you're late, you know, it's, it's a reflection on you. It's Mm -hmm. not just, it's not just, um, you know, you are in a sense, the product. So artists, I think we, we're very much more identified with our work. And that's why this is more relevant. But I think for like industry people, like maybe your job, you don't see yourself, but in your personal life, you're going to see yourself you know, in your relationships with your children, with your, with your partner, with, um, you know, your friends and family, you're going to see yourself. Yeah. We don't just get to step out of it indefinitely. We're not
1: robots. So yeah. I do
0: think it's valuable for everybody.
1: No, absolutely. There's, yeah, there's this constant duality and yeah. balance in, in so many things in life. Well, and but. I think the
0: artistry of what we're, what we've been talking about, cause, uh, you know, correct me if I'm mistaken, but um is the giving. You know, is when we're giving or we're taking or, you know, whatever, our personhood is related to that, right? Like um you could I mean, presumably you could do any job or, or be in any position and you could see yourself from inside as being okay. And so if you see yourself from, as okay you can you can give. Whereas if you see yourself as lacking, it really doesn't matter. You know, like, um, you'll see, it's funny, you'll see people in the first world who see themselves as lacking, yet you'll see people in the third world who have far, far less, and they see themselves as like having, you know, everything they need. Yeah. And yet when you compare them in the material world, you're like, no, the first person has the things, they have everything. This third person doesn't in the external world, yet in their internal world, which is the artistry, mm-hmm, well, yeah, the internal, the the third world person actually has everything in the first world person doesn't because they're lacking internally in their artistry. Mm-hmm. Right. And that, I think that's how this relates to this kind of conversation. Yeah. I don't know if I clearly tied that in, but
1: I, that's how I see yeah, it. Yeah. No, I think, I think you brought up a lot of interesting, interesting substance there. Yeah. I went Speaking off, of, that's all right. <laughs> Speaking of substances. Oh, nice segue. I like it. Um, I'm gonna introduce this uh this brew that we've been drinking here. This is before
0: you tell us what it is and where it is from, I'm really enjoying it. It's a dark dark brew. Hold on, let me take another little yeah yeah. Sip uh, have a it. little uh have another little refresher there. You know, it's nice, it's got like a it's got a little bit of a stronger taste in the aftertaste, but it's really good and it's going down super quick. And I feel I'm going to be done my beer before the podcast is finished, which is always a good sign. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, you said I'd be delightfully surprised and I am, yeah, <laughs> I am.
1: Um, so tell so, us, what is it? This is the Dunkel oh, from nice. Main Street, uh, Main Street Brewing. And, uh, this is, I think just like a seasonal one from them. So it's a dark, um, wheat ale. So yeah, it is very dark in color, but it's, I find it super refreshing and it's almost got this kind of like this, uh, almost like a tangy, like a tangy aftertaste. Tangy's a funny way to put it. <laughs> Do you I, really really like, I, mean? I really
0: like, uh, I think dunkel is a type of, is a type of beer. Cause I've had, yep. a,
1: I've
0: had a few that, um, yeah, usually Belgian dunkel type Whatever, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I really like this, and I'm a big fan of wheat beer, so it's no wonder I'm enjoying this so much. Um, yeah, it's great, man. Good choice.
1: Yeah, they just call it the Dunkel, huh? They just call it Dunkel. The no, no Dunkle. special name for it. Just Dunkle. I like that about Main Street Brewer. They're like, you know what? Here's your beer. <laughs> we well, don't got no fancy name. Well, usually it's like some of their some of their rotating ones. They don't give names to, yeah. but all of their main their the main ones from Main Street all have some sort of a, a name to them. There's like the, uh, naked Fox IPA and stuff. They have names for a bunch of them, but
0: yeah, I like that.
1: Yeah. But for the rotators, there's usually, um, sometimes they just, they don't have any kind of a name. Keep it simple. Yeah. Well, it's good. Well done main street. I like your beer. Um, two thumbs up. Definitely
0: try it if you're in the season. (laughs) Um, okay. So let's get back to this thing. Okay. I, I wanted to mention something. It's been, I, I wanted to mention earlier, but we kind of went on to a little bit of a topic yeah. there. I think it will help us tie back, but, um, so I run a business and, uh, you know, obviously I'm connected with other entrepreneurs who are running businesses and stuff. Um, and, and one particular guy, it's funny because his business, it's not that it's failing, but it's not flourishing. And, Um, you know, and he kind of struggles like a little bit of a lacking, you know, and I I find that really interesting. And he and I were having a conversation, this must have been a month ago or so. And he was just saying, like, well, you know, why would I, why would I like that, you know, just because they're my friend? Or why would I support that or do this? And I'm like, and it's like, I don't have to, you know, and I was just, and I, and, and as we were talking, he just had this very like, "I'm only gonna do it if it if it values me" attitude. And I was like, mm-hmm. "What, a, what a, like, it, what like, you know?" I tell you about this person, right? And I, I bet most people go, "Yeah, like that person's stingy. Like they're just stingy. They're always about themselves and what they get." They're, and I'm like, "Well, you know what? Maybe you don't. Maybe it doesn't give you anything. But they're your friend. They're your friend, and they're asking you." as their friend to help support them in some way or another. Now, maybe you don't help them by like, you know, doing that, but like, they're your friend and this is important to them. Maybe reach out and talk to them. Like, what are you doing with this? Why is this important to you? As opposed to just going, no, it doesn't do anything for me. I'm just going to not do anything. Yeah. And I mean, just because someone's your friend, I mean, you had a point just because someone's your friend doesn't mean that you have to participate in everything they do. But If they're your friend, contribute. Like, like you're not a friend. If you, if, if all you're thinking is what does this person do for me yeah. and how do I get from them? <laughs> yeah. That's not a friend. You don't have friends, man. Mm-hmm. What you have are people that you, that
1: know who you are.
0: <laughs> like, yeah. And, and you're fooling them. You're like not an in integrity. And you like,
1: Maybe pass the time with them on occasion. Yeah.
0: And I, I think, you know, like, I mean, and granted, like, I mean, you know, on Facebook, someone says, well, like this or come to this event or or do that. I mean, you know, come on, like, let's be real. I'm not going to go to every single thing. And and I might not necessarily like go, oh yeah, that's what I'm interested in, but I'm not going to not like it just because I'm like, well, what's in it for me? Or like, you know, uh, if they're really a friend of mine, I think it's like, okay, well, what, what's, what's important here? What are you doing? Like, you know, and, and, and not make it so hard on people, you know, to give, I mean, the thing is, I think, you know, we, we do experience in the, in like there's, there's internal, um, scarcity and internal abundance, but there is also external scarcity and abundance. Um, you know, I think like when someone's starving, they're, they're experiencing external, um, you know, like a lack, right. They're actually experiencing an external, like lack of nutrition, lack of whatever. Um, you know, and I think the thing is, is that we're, we're always going to be battling with this because it's so easy. You know, you have all these, um, you know, the secret, like be abundant, think in abundance. Well, you know, it's, it's such an easy concept to just tell someone just think abundantly, be abundant inside. And it's like, yeah, but I can't feed my kids. I'm not making enough. I'm working four fucking jobs. I can't, I can't do it. I'm going to lose my house. I'm in debt. I'm paying more on my visa bill than I make. I'm I'm owing more money. You know, like, like, and so it's like, well, think abundant. It's like, it's like, okay, (laughs) yeah, you know, like, and I'm just telling the people who are out there who are in that situation because I've been there, yeah, and I know what that's like. And and think abundant is bullshit at that time, you know. And and I know you're on the other side. And if you're in that position, you're like, it's bullshit. It is bullshit because you know what? There are certain things where you have to go, okay, well be in reality of the world you're in, right? Okay. Well in this area right now, I'm not necessarily abundant. You're not going to magically just start thinking abundant and be abundant in that area. It's not going to happen, but you can start to look at where you are abundant. You can start to go, okay, well, you know, I have, um, I have all my fucking limbs. I'm abundant, like we, this is something we take for granted. You know, there mm-hmm. was a, a quote I read the other day. I don't know how how accurate this is or whatever, but it's something like, "Guy just pull one, another Evan." Yeah, another <laughs> two for today. <laughs> There's probably a third in there. Um, but uh, <laughs> I feel like you just jabbed yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Why not? You know, humility. Um, but anyway, uh, so he, it was something like people always ask him. He has no legs, right? And they ask him like, "How are you always so positive and happy?" without legs. And he says, I always say the same thing back to them. How are you so unhappy with legs? Right. And so this is the thing, right?
1: Boom, mic Boom. drop. <laughs> mic drop right? Yeah.
0: Um, so, you know, that's the thing, right? Is like, we have a lot of stuff that we take for granted and that's where you find abundance, but there's going to be areas where you're not abundant in the external world. And y- you don't get to just pretend and be like, Oh, I'm abundant in that area. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not
1: like, about being in denial. No. About about you know the things that you're feeling and the things that you're you're going through. Yeah, I mean I think I, I think sometimes the biggest problems is that like we we aren't acknowledging these things that we aren't acknowledging that you know I am in this place in feeling this way, right? And once we actually like allow ourselves to kind of be in that place and and accept it, you know that this is where we are, then we can move. We can start to move past it. But yeah. It doesn't it doesn't do any good to just tell people to, you know, to think positively. Yeah. You know, like when when there's a lot of things going like it's it's like that's kind of just like almost casting someone off to the side. It's like, not my problem, right? It's just like think positive. (laughs) You know, stop (laughs) bothering me, right? (laughs) Get out of here. You're a drag. It's like, you know, there's (laughs) not like the thing is there's actually yes think positively, but like, it's not just about some superficial notion of it. It's like you, there's, there's an actual, uh, sort of an introspection that you need to take there. Yeah. You know, like, which is part of what we were actually, we've been talking about, you know, asking these certain questions, looking at your dreams and saying, what if, and looking at your fears and saying, so what? Yeah. Right. Going into that and, and really releasing some of our, you know, because you do, you need to, in order to make that an actual impactful shift where you are thinking positively, where you are genuinely, genuinely thinking abundantly, you know, you usually have to let go of some old mindset that -hmm. you've been hanging on to, right? But just being like, okay, think positive. That doesn't really change anything. It's, it's kind of fits in with that whole fake it till you make it thing as well. It's, it becomes bullshit. Yeah. And you know, like telling someone to just think positive without telling them how
0: to think positive is an asshole move. In my opinion, it's a dick move. It's like, you know, okay, think more, just be positive about it. You know, just be positive about it. It's like, okay, but the person has not learned what it actually means to be positive. Like being positive, i like, you know, here, let's just all take a moment. What is being positive mean? Everybody write it down. Stop the podcast, pause it and write down what is being positive mean? Now, if you did it, you're going to start to realize once you start thinking about it, wait a minute, I don't actually know if I know exactly what be positive means. In fact, I've heard it so many fucking times <laughs> that I thought I knew what it meant, but I don't. Yeah. So what does be positive actually mean? Well, be positive is not about going, well, you know, what's the good side of this? You know, what's it? It isn't just that simple. It's about looking at things that it's like, that's the easy part of being positive, like being positive. Like the easy part of being positive is like, what's the silver lining? What's the good thing that happened here? That's like, that's like kindergarten level, mm-hmm. right? But hard level is like when you're facing extreme adversity and you start looking at, you go, okay, well, w- what do I do? do with this? Like, how does this, you know, how can I utilize this to help me? Like, like looking at it and going like, what am I doing to create a ne- negative experience about this? Mm-hmm. You know, like, cause mostly, um, negativity and positivity come down to actual questions. So like we just discussed, you know, the, so what, and the what if, right? If you, you, if you misuse them, I mean, you basically, you can misuse them and be negative and you can proactively use them and be positive. But the thing is, is we don't realize we're asking ourselves questions that actually perpetuate negativity. Yeah. So we can't be positive because we don't even realize that we're creating the negativity. Yeah. So for example, um, you, you lose all your money, you lose all your money, your, your, your partner leaves you, someone dies in the family and you're just, you're in this fucking turmoil, right? Yeah. And so you, you can, you can, in that moment, what's going to probably happen is, is people aren't going to go, well, so what? They're going to go, well, you know, what if, you know, what if like, you know, and they're going to start asking questions that are negative, which is going to perpetuate their negative feeling. Yeah. And they're going to start, you know, creating more negative feeling and, and they don't just use what if, and so what they use other things like, yeah. you know, um, they, they, they are very crafty and we have to look at our questions. So like, um, you know, one of the most powerful tools I've ever learned in my life was that I learned, and this happened about three years ago, really. Um, I learned how to think. Mm -hmm. I never really understood it until about three years ago. And basically we think with questions. If you ask a question, your mind answers the question. So if you ask like, what's going to be hard about this, your mind will find what will be hard about it. Mm -hmm. If you go, what will be enjoyable about this, your mind will find that. So Tony Robbins, he has this tool, for example. I never really understood it until about three years ago until someone else actually explained what thinking was. And then I go, Oh, that's why he does that. Right. He says, how do I make $10,000 or a million dollars and have more fun than I ever possibly dreamed of doing it? Well, once you ask, how do I have fun doing it? Your mind starts to find out not only how do I make the money, but how to have fun making the money. But a lot of people will go, how do I make the money? Or, you know, what if I don't make the money or like, how hard is it going to be to make the money? And yeah. all of those are shitty questions and
1: negative questions. Now all you're seeing is your obstacles yeah, and you're not seeing any opportunities. And, and yeah, it's like, we do have this superpower called our minds mm-hmm. and, and which is why there, there's just such an influx, I think of people these days who are really like, teaching people how to use their minds. Yeah. You know, like how to really apply your mind, how to really take ownership of your mind Mm -hmm. because otherwise our minds will just, they will, they will go like, you know, the, um, like the Buddhists, they call it monkey mind. You know, that's why they practice like meditation to like to observe their thoughts and see what's going on because otherwise it's just going all over the place. Right. It's going crazy. and, And that's usually, the the place that most of us function, you know, like we're not focused on anything. We're like reacting to things constantly. We're just like, we're, we're nuts. We're a little bit crazy. Right. And so there's, and it's not just in, you know, those sort of like these older traditions and philosophies and, and whatever, where there's been value found in understanding your mind, but now we're starting to see, um, like with so many, like there's been such a massive um, explosion in like personal coaches mm-hmm. and mentors. That's a massive business. People who have started to learn how to like use and apply your mind in a way that is extraordinarily transformational. Mm-hmm. You know, how to really, and same thing in psychology. It's like we're learning how to actually look at our minds, and it's just something that a lot of us don't like, have not wanted to do. We're afraid of what might happen there Mm -hmm. or something. Right. It's like, Oh, I don't want to look what the fuck's happening in, in there. Right. And which is, you know, they usually say like, don't go in there alone, which is why it's kind of, (laughs) 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 that's funny. (laughs) Yeah, no, I've heard that. It's just like, don't go in there alone. Um, (laughs) but like there's, it's, it's so extraordinary. Once you begin to accept responsibility and realize that you do have, have this power of your mind and that you've been kind of just letting I mean we talk about the ego that's usually what is running the show. Mm-hmm. You know, and the ego's crazy. The ego's fucking out of its mind. Like and and that's where most of us are kind of in. And then you start to actually see it how it works and then you start to see how you actually are in control of that thing. And you've kind of let it just operate on Mm -hmm. its own without any, you're not even watching it go. I mean, we know that there's our minds, our brains are actually like two separate things. Like there's been fascinating studies on um, the left and right brain. And they're almost like, there's literally almost like two different people that are living inside of our heads. Yeah. Like pretty much they have different opinions from each other. (laughs) they sort of talk to each other a little bit, mm-hmm. but like they they have completely different thoughts on the same thing. Right. And then this is going on with us all the time. Right. And, and the way I see it is like there, we, we can choose to see anything in positive and negative light but we need to accept responsibility for the fact that we are choosing the negative thoughts as well. I think that's part of this whole thing of think positive that isn't talked about. It's just like, well, just think positive as if to say, it's like, well, you know, the negative doesn't exist or you're just, there's something wrong with you, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, no, there's, these thoughts are happening all the time, right? We, We have opportunities for it to shift anything, but we need to accept that we have negative thoughts as well but that we are actually responsible and in control of those thoughts. Well, you know,
0: there's another thing, and in, in you're right, I, I agree with you. There's another thing that we don't talk about in our society, is that negative thoughts are actually good thoughts. Mm-hmm. Like, we're just like, don't be negative, be positive. Have you ever been around someone who's positive all the time? They just like, don't ever, like, it's like annoying. It's like, Get, are you a human being? Are you, like like you're, <laughs> you're false. There's something not yeah. true and not authentic about you. Like nobody like, and because you, you know, it's like, I always love this saying, the brighter, the light, the darker, the shadow, you know, if you don't see the negative, you could never see the light. You could never see the positive. Yeah. Like the positive shines so brightly because you're aware of the negative, negative. Like, like, for example, for me to appreciate my legs, I have to be able to see myself without having my legs Mm -hmm. to understand the value of my legs. I have to both see the light and the dark. Yeah. And so, you know, think positive as a blanket statement is a dick move. And I say it again, (laughs) it's a dick move because, you know, see both. I mean, the heart's in the right place, but the heart's in the right place. Yeah, no, I mean, people aren't, Yeah, no, 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 they mean well. Yeah but the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Let's just be clear. <laughs> no, but anyway, there's like, you know, a little mess asshole coming out here. Yeah. But, um, no, I mean, uh, you know, the thing is, is that people, you know, have these cliche statements that they like to say, you know, that, that, you know, someone said and, and someone misinterpreted and used it as a simplistic thing. I think think positive is like recognize what's negative here recognize what's not so good whether it exists or doesn't exist and see what either is or what could be and if you already have what is then be grateful and if you see what could be then be passionate about what could be um you know and uh <clears throat> i think with the negative thing you know negative thoughts are also good because sometimes we'll walk ourselves into really um, shitty scenarios. Cause sometimes, you know, I, I have a friend and, and we talk about this and, you know, she'll say, you know, a couple times she's maybe, um, she's been in a couple scenarios where it's like, uh, you know, negative situations with people, you know, um, dangerous people, something like that. Right. Mm. And she'll be like, you know, how did I get myself into this situation? And she'll be like, it's social nicety. And it's like trying to be polite and and be positive and, 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 you know, and look at the best of everything. You know, you, sometimes you get a bad vibe about somebody and it's negative. You're like, well, I don't really want to think the negative thing, but it's like you're getting a bad vibe for a reason, you know, and maybe that you don't like the thought. Trust the thought. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't mean you have to live your life, you know, always being scared, but sometimes your animal instincts are going to come up and the thought might be negative. Yeah. You know, trust the thought. I mean, it's not just be positive a hundred percent of the time. It's, it's about, you know, where are you going to direct your focus? Cause yeah. it's the yin and the yang both exist. If there is positivity, there must be negativity. And it's simply, I'm, I'm not going to look at the net. I'm, I'm not going to focus on the negativity, but I recognize that it's there.
1: Yeah. Right. And the negativity can be, is, is actually a really valuable teacher. Right. Right. Like it, it can ask us to dig a little bit deeper, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, so in, in this example that you're talking about where it's like, oh, well you're getting, you know, there's this interaction, you're having a, a negative, you know, response to it, right. You're having some sort of, and I mean, there's, there is a measure to that. I think like it's, it, on one hand, like if you are really just getting like strong, like, like emotional, like, like this is a bad situation, I got to get out of it, then I would say, then you should probably listen to that. You know, like that's kind of a, a level of intuition, I would think. But sometimes, you know, sometimes I, I, I come across people and I have a negative feeling about them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And when I examine that, it's like, well, there's, sometimes it's opinions that I formed about some person who I haven't even met based on past experiences with it's like, Oh, I, I've kind of, I think I sort of knew somebody like this. Yeah. You know, it and, is a good point. and there's nothing th- that's n- not true about this person at all. You know, like it's, I'm, I'm holding some sort of, um, you know, and that's me, that's me. That's my own limitation and mm-hmm. how I am, I am approaching the world. Again, that's my projection out onto the world and onto somebody else. Some, you know, perfectly fine, innocent human being, you know, is cause most likely, uh, a really lovely human being. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's, but there's still something to be found in that. Right. Or you can actually say, it's like, Oh, well, like what's this judgment that I'm, I'm putting on this? Like, why do I have this judgment? What is this whole thing about. Right. And it can end up, you know, somebody who really rubs you the wrong way can end up really teaching you something about yourself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Cause it can often be like we, we do like it's, it could be a reflection of ourselves that we see in someone else. And we're just, and that hits us in a certain light and we say, how am I like this? Right. And this is something that I don't like. And it gives us an opportunity to let something go and and open our own humanity a little bit more. Right. And connect a little bit more deeply to ourselves and to other people.
0: Yeah. Judgment is a, you know, it's, it's a funny one. I mean, there's a, there's a lot we could go into about that one. And I think the thing, you know, you're onto something, I mean, self-acceptance and compassion and building that and developing that and developing a, a awareness will help us get our, uh, judgments more in check, but, um, you know, I had a philosophy teacher back in the day and and we had a big discussion about this and he's like, do you think it's good to have judgment? You know, do you think it's good to judge or is it bad or is it always bad or whatever? And, um, he was pointing out that like, we have to judge judgment is we have to, we have to, make judgments to navigate the world, it keeps us alive. And if we didn't do that, we, we would probably die. We'd probably get into trouble and we would, you know, um, you know, we would make a lot of error. Now, sometimes I think the problem with our judgments is they're just not accurate. Like we, we, we create them based on fears we have. Mm -hmm. So we make, uh, you know, we decide, oh, well this race or, or these type of people, you know, criminals are all blanketed into this one category and, and, and not looked at any further. And now all of a sudden, if someone has say a record, all of a sudden, okay, well, this is where they have tattoos or something. It's like, this is a scary person to some people. Right. And they make that judgment and it's just very unchecked. And it's, it's a very, like, it's like a very, um, elementary way of making judgment where it's not to get rid of judgment, but it's to refine, you know, it's to, Um, to start looking at it and going, okay, well, elementary judgment would be like labeling. Like you see someone and you go, okay, uh, for, for, you know, and for sake of doing it, you could take um, blackmail in Los Angeles, right? Now there's a judgment that goes on in America about that. And then they say, well, you know, and and the, the words will get paralleled with that, like oh, like gangster, hoodlum, blah blah blah, whatever. Well, there is a true that there is a fraction of, um, and it really is a fraction of black males that are part of gangs and, and hoodlums, quote unquote, or whatever, right? But then even within that, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're bad guys. It doesn't mean that they're they're not people who have hearts and care and are all this wonderful things about them. Right. And so what happens is then you take all people, you know, of that race, and then you blanket them, you actually include people who aren't even included in that group. Right. And then you have a judgment about that group that isn't even accurate about that group. And so like, I think where judgment comes in is it's about refinement. It's not about cutting it out or stopping it, but it's about looking into it and becoming more aware and really, um, beginning to start to understand more, um, you know, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you go, okay, well, I'm just going to go into Compton and, you know, I'm just going to hang out and like, you know, you know, and everything's going to be fine. I mean, that's out of reality because, you know, um, you know, for example, like being a white male going into Compton and just walking around in, in, you know, uh, gang territory, some trouble might happen. I mean, that's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's possible. And the likelihood of it happening versus walking around in Beverly Hills is probably a lot higher. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, but it's not to say that you should go do these things, but it's to kind of like, look at it and go, well, how am I, how am I not like refined in my judgment? Because actually an unrefined judgment is actually very limiting in life and I don't know, you can use any example you want, right? But people will create these, um, very elementary judgments and they're extremely limiting in their life. Yet we still have to judge because it's part of us deciphering and being able to walk through the world.
1: Yeah. I I feel like that's like uh, almost different branches of of judgment or yeah. Because like for me, it's like, it's like the judgment is like, I don't know if there's any place for it when you're in this whole thing of better and worse, you know, when you're like, doing that. So, I mean, there's, especially when it comes to other people, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, I mean, the thing is,
0: is what, like, like it's, um, you know, like we, we, as human beings have survived, um, and, and we've, we've erred on the side of safety yeah, more, more or less, you know, and that's part of our, that's a survival mechanism. And it's been passed down generation to generation. It's in our genes. we, we do error on the side of safety. That's what keeps us alive. And, and now today you'll have people who do extreme stuff, like stand on the edge of a building with like a skateboard and like hang off the edge. And we're like, how do you do that? And like, they have, they have pushed beyond their, um, fear of heights. Right. And so we, we are evolving as a species, but if we didn't have the fear of heights, if we didn't make like feared based judgments on certain things, we would, we would probably do ourselves in. Okay. So like, and when it comes to people, you're right. But then at the same time, you know, there throughout history have been people who have been destructive, who were lack ethics and lack morals. And, you know, and, uh, you know, you just don't, for example, you just don't let anybody into your house in today's day and age. Right. Um, the thing is, is that, uh, if the, 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 it's, it's a funny thing, you know, it's a funny thing because part of our judgment informs how the other person will be too, which is part of the trouble. Yeah. Anyway, it's a huge. It's, it is. Topic. It's Let's like not do Yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> I feel Another like we're going day. down a
1: really dark, like weird rabbit hole. Well, yeah, I don't know about dark, but just like yeah, it's it's uh it's Ugh. it's a can of worms. It's a shit sure, yeah. to go down into that one, and maybe not one that is necessary for the subject matter that we've already covered for today.
0: Yeah. We've covered a lot. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a tough one. Well, I mean, the positivity, negativity, the artistry industry, let's stick to that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you know, uh,
1: <clears throat> where the hell are we? <laughs> yeah. That was <laughs> that beer? How's that beer? Um, um yeah, it's, it's, I, I think getting ourselves a little bit sort of like back to, um, some of what the what was at the core of of what we stumbled into here unedited folks yeah (laughs) but (laughs) this whole thing of um of our of our minds and putting value out there first yeah. Um and uh I think that's really the point is about we we're
0: talking about generating and giving and offering value as opposed to trying to always get it and yeah. how that you know that's where we started this and, and how that actually gets you more of what you want you know actually I heard a story just the other day it was um uh it was a as a TED talk I don't remember which one it was it's one of the recent ones we could probably still find it but um the person who was talking was sharing about how this guy came in to rob a bank this is apparently a true story. He came in to rob the bank and he, uh, he apparently had a gun in his jacket, couldn't see or whatever. He said to tell her, give me $2,000. And instead of getting scared, what she did was she took a step back and she, she said, that's a really specific number, $2,000. Why do you ask for $2,000? Well, I need this for my friend. Cause if he doesn't get, it, he's going to get evicted from his house and blah, 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 blah. And she said, well, you don't need to rob the bank. You need a loan. She's like, come in the back office and let's deal with this. <laughs> and apparently if like, apparently from what I understand it all resolved that way, there was no criminal charges, no anything. Yeah. And it was like just a whole act of compassion. And his point was, he was talking about how like, um, wow. How basically the problem is, is that we make like, we don't just have compassion for people. We don't listen and like respond. And like, if she responded with fear, obviously that would have turned into a really ugly situation. But because, you know, like, I mean, if we didn't look at people, like if someone went to rob a bank and we didn't immediately look at, oh, you're robbing a bank, you're a bad guy. If we didn't look at the world that way, I mean, this is kind of... Yeah, I'm
1: like, are you just like throwing us right back into this? Am I still on this? (laughs) I don't know. It's okay. Finish it. I'm going to do it. Finish this story because I love it.
0: Yeah, it's it's not bad, right? Okay, so (laughs) if we didn't look at the world with so much fear and we didn't look at it as labeling and and so much negativity, we would um, be able to deal with it better. You know, we'd be able to understand it. And so... I think, I don't know, let's, you know, tie this back in. I mean, you you take someone who's robbing a bank, right? They come in. It's a a negative. It's negative in the sense that this is dangerous, right? But if you look at like, well, what, what would drive you to rob a bank? Like what, what position would you have to be in to think that this was a good move? Yeah. You know? And if we looked at it that way, we, we would begin to at least try to help society. You know, we could build society in a way like if if we were to grow as as humanity in a a way in a way of empathy, we could get to a place where people never rob banks because people begin to um, think more about how they affect each other and think about what each other's needs. And we think about how to how do I get you what you need? You need two thousand dollars okay, let's figure it out. Let's, let's like, maybe you don't have to do it this way because the consequences here now, mm-hmm. let's say you get busted for robbing the $2,000. Now you're going to spend X amount of time in prison. Your buddy's not going to get his money and everybody loses. Right. And the risk factor is just so high. So like if we resolve this in a way where everybody wins and I think that's what we're doing, right? Like, you it sounds so silly to bring this back, but it's kind of the same way. You know, you take art as artists, we're, we're, we're trying to do all this stuff, trying to get our right head show up to these auditions. You know, we're trying to make the right film. Uh, you know, we're trying to paint the right thing, make the right song. If, if we started going, okay, well, you know, and we started going, okay, well, what, what would someone else need to help me do what I need to do? What's an exchange, What's a way in which I could help them. And I think the thing is, is we have these fears like, well, what if I give to everybody and then they don't give anything back? The thing is, is that it just doesn't work that way because there's this weird little mechanism inside us, which is once people start giving to us, we actually start to feel this, um, re- it's a, they call it the law of reciprocation. We want to reciprocate when someone's mm-hmm. giving to us all the time. We actually want to reciprocate because yeah. we begin to like them. We begin to relate to them and we go, well, you know. Um,
1: and, and I mean, we're connected. We're bonded in yeah. some in some way.
0: And there's going to be people who are entitled, and maybe there's even more people who will just act out of entitlement. But the thing is, is you just go, okay, well, you know, and you and you'll and you'll slowly begin to attract the people who don't act out of entitlement, and then you'll collect them, and the people who act out of entitlement, you just let fall to the wayside, and they will you know, there's an interesting thing too, is when you take away someone who's a giver, who's really valuable and you remove them from the equation, the entitled people notice pretty quick Mm. because all of a sudden they're not getting the candy anymore. And they're (laughs) like, wait, where'd the candy go? Oh, maybe I better think about, you know, why I don't get the candy anymore. Yeah. So a lot of reciprocation because, you know, um, but that's people who are giving also, um, we need to be, when we give value, we also need to look and identify, and this is maybe a negative thought, but we need to look at the people who are taking advantage of us, right? Because mm-hmm. some people out there are in a total take mode and, and we have to be in integrity with them and be like, okay, well, don't ever feel bad for giving, but just if they if that person offers no value back and you talk to them and they, or if you can connect with them and they don't bring any value back, you know, then maybe you go, okay, well, this person doesn't bring any value back to the table. So it's fine. We, yeah. we had our interaction. It doesn't work so much anymore. Moving on.
1: Yeah. And I mean that, and the things you can receive value from somebody in so many different, in so many different ways. Yeah. You know, it's not necessarily limited to any one thing, right? Cause then in some ways you're now back into like a getting mentality, but, um, you, you, again, you ultimately have, have, a choice. And if somebody is, is just being sort of um, abusive in a way, or you're feeling abused in some sort of a relationship where you're, you're giving something of value, and then that's not being reciprocated. There's not, um, I don't know, there, there isn't that connection. There isn't that sense of being on common ground and being in some sort of um, unified togetherness, some sort of an understanding um, then maybe it's just not a, not a good connection to maintain. Right. And you're probably actually doing them a disservice by continuing to give to them. Yeah. Right. Like maybe what they need is, is for you to actually pull the plug on it. Right. And say like, you know what, this is not, this is not a working partnership anymore, you know, and they might be upset. They might be rant, they might rant and rave and get all pissy about it. But I think that there's, you might end up teaching that person a very valuable lesson and you don't have to do it in a harsh way. That's the other thing. It's not just like, well, you're not giving anything back into this and blah, blah, blah. So this is over. Yeah. Like, don't talk to me anymore. It's just like, it doesn't have to be that sort of a situation. No. Like it can be, um, you know, it's interesting when you talk to, um, recovered alcoholics and stuff and they, and they, um, they talk about, you know, when they make amends with people, you know, whether they talk to them on the phone or meet with them in person. Um, and they, and they, they apologize and they, and they ask for forgiveness, right. Um, for the things that, you know, the ways that they may have, have harmed them or hurt them. And they sometimes like the, the follow-up question to after all of it is like, how did you feel? How do you feel about that? About me saying that I'm sorry, you know, and asking for forgiveness or whatever. Right. And sometimes people just don't take it well.
0: Hmm.
1: Right. And that's, and, and part of like with AA is that they teach them like, don't expect everybody to take it well. Mm -hmm. You know, not everybody's going to want to forgive you. Right. Not everybody's going to want to, you know, share in this sort of thing that you are, are recovering from. And, to basically let, learn to let that go. Because then at that point, that anger is theirs. Mm -hmm. It's not yours anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. Which I find so interesting in part of that whole process. I don't know how exactly I got into this. It seemed like it was related to what we were talking about, but it was just like, in terms of when people are not reciprocating.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You're talking about reciprocation. Um,
1: and not everybody's going to reciprocate and, and that when that no longer becomes something that is healthy anymore, it's the healthiest thing to do might actually be to, to not continue. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's all I was
0: I think, you know, I think forgiveness is, um, it's an act of giving. It's an act of abundance, you know, um, and to refuse to refuse to forgive is an act of scarcity. You know, like you feel that something was taken from you. You know, I, I had, let me just put this in quotations. Okay a few people that fucked me over. <laughs> and I, you know, and, uh, you know, I've, I've shared on the podcast a few times I've been working with my forgiveness, working, working it all out, working out all the kinks I've forgiven a lot, you know, and mostly it, you know, I found that with forgiveness, it's all just comes back to me. It's all forgiveness is for me so much more than it is for them. And I, uh, my most recent lesson of forgiveness is thankfulness is to thank them. And I, I, realized I'm like, wow, well, you know, there's just a few people who I haven't really fully forgiven yet. And I just thought, well, why am I thankful to them? Why am I grateful for them? And I thought, man, you guys gave me some strength. You guys gave me some fucking balls. Like I'm, like I'm willing to do things now. I'm capable of doing things. I stand up to people like I never did before. Yeah. And you know what? You might have rubbed me the wrong way. You might have been hard on me. You might have. Caused damages in my life that is still not necessarily been fully prepared, but you gave me something as a human being that I never had before. Mm-hmm. And I look and I go, how else was I going to get it? Yeah. You know, how else was I going to get it? So, you know, I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful. And that when, when I found that gratitude now is the lesson mm. of forgiveness is when you begin to be grateful for your enemies, And they begin. They begin to not be enemies anymore. They begin to be, in a weird way, your allies, but from a distance, you know. And so you 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 begin to look very
1: strange. Kind of an ally, yeah. Yeah,
0: it's a strange thing. And the thing is, as a you know enemy, um, when when you, I mean, you know, there's no controlling what other people will do if they will ever recognize the damages they caused, or if they'll ever. Um, become aware. But the thing is, is like, it's so irrelevant um, as far as what's, you know, as far as what my experience of my life is or anyone's mm-hmm. experience of their life, you know, when it comes to these relationships. And, you know, I think when you become grateful to your quote unquote enemies, um, you become in abundance because you see that everything is always giving, mm-hmm. And so when everything's always giving and nothing is really taking, like, And it's, it's kind of a screwed up thing because you look at it, you go, well, so does that mean if someone like embezzled all this money from me and took from me that they gave to me? It's like, well, yeah, in a way they, they did. And the thing is, is like materially you lost and it sucks. And that was damaging and it was criminal. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is now you've learned how did you set up your life so that something like this could happen? How did you create a dynamic where, you would allow and, and, and build a relationship based on someone who would embezzle from you, who would do this thing from you or, or whatever.
1: Or Uh, maybe it just, it becomes a lesson on where, um, where you would focus your all, like your priorities, right? Where that this is, I mean, certainly like it can, it can be horribly, you know, it can, it can be horribly damaging in a lot of ways, something like that. But, I don't know, in some ways you can be, you can, you can be thankful for these things to happen because sometimes they, these shitty things that happen really shine a light on something that was kind of vacant in us before. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I remember I got my shoes stolen at a, at a party once at a house party, like they were like a week old or something. Like they were like Kenneth Cole shoes or something like that or whatever. Like, and I was leaving and I'm looking at like all these shoes is a huge house party and I'm looking and they were not there and I had like three friends looking around like no one like they were gone and like everyone in the house we were walking around looking to see if we could find this person I was just livid I was so angry right and I remember going home in the cab in my socks (laughs) On a rainy day, and just being so pissed off, and our our cab driver was from Uganda, and he was just like, "It was good that your shoes were stolen," <laughs> and I was like, "What?" <laughs> you know, he's like, "It was good," like it was just like, and it was like this whole thing, like, and I don't know if I necessarily realize it, it, just kind of screwed me up at the time. Like it was kind of funny. Like it was this moment of laughing about it. Like this cab driver just saying, well, it was good that my shoes were stolen. And it wasn't that he was saying that like, it was okay for this person to steal my shoes, but that maybe I was being a little bit too bent out of shape over a pair of shoes. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Right. Like it, like it really wasn't a big deal. Just a fucking pair of shoes. Mm -hmm. Like I got over it. Yeah. Like it's, like, I don't even like, there's no, I have no emotional response to that now. Other than that, it was just, it's, it's funny. It's actually a funny thing to me now. When I think about it, I don't get angry. I was so pissed off at the time. I was like, so angry that my friend, like who was hosting the party was really just trying to get me out because he thought I was going to start a fight with somebody. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, yeah. I do not get that angry very much. Right. But I was pissed. Yeah. (laughs) And now I'm just, it's hilarious. I'm like, Oh yeah, that house party got my shoes stolen. Right. Like it was, but it also provided an opportunity as well for, um, for some character to be shown. Right. Because I had people saying like, take somebody else's shoes. Right. And I was like, well, I don't know who the person was who, like, I don't know the person who stole my shoes. Who's, who's theirs are in here in the, in this pile of stuff. If I take somebody else's shoes, then the whole thing spirals out of control. Yeah. Right. And then everybody's had their shoes stolen. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so I, I ended it there. Right. It was an opportunity for me to just stop it. Right. And then the only, the only thing that I had to get over then was that was being, was the resentment, mm-hmm. you know, of having this thing happen to me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And it's like, ah, uh, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> all right, Freud.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's good. I mean, that's good. You know, you carry on you, that resentment, that anger, the, you carry that, like, why do you want to, you know, that's the thing about forgiveness is that you don't have to carry this shit anymore. Yeah. yeah. Forgiveness is, you know, and they say that, you know, forgiveness is for you, it's not for the other person. And the reason it's for you is because you don't have to carry it anymore. And it's like, when you don't forgive, it's like, you might as well just fucking tie a weight on your back and like that you're carrying around that for life until you decide to drop it. And then you're like, but I can't drop this weight because this weight represents the fact that they fucked me over. And it's like, yeah, but you're carrying the
1: weight. They aren't. It's yeah. like, so like maybe just let it go, yeah. <laughs> and mean? it's like, and look at you—you're walking around, your fists are clenched, you're yeah. just like your jaw's tight, and you're—it's yeah. <laughs> like this does not look like a comfortable way of of going about your life. No, yeah. yeah. And I mean, uh, you know, I
0: I think the thing is, is you know, I, and you know, these things happen; these destructive things happen, and and I think forgiveness—I think a lot of people are scared about forgiveness because they think that it's somehow. It's makes weakness. it okay. Or that it is weakness yeah. and that it, and that it makes it okay. And it's not, it's actually strength. And, um, the thing is, is that you, you know, your behavior based on it is, is what re the world. I mean, um, the only reason why we understand theft is because someone has stolen. Like if we live in a world where no one ever steals, which would be great, you know, theft and that would not become even an issue. It'd be Mm non-issue. But, um, and that would be good. But the thing is, is we live in a world where theft exists. We just do. And so, you know, um, we have, uh, we have to navigate the world in the reality of what should exist. But like, um, you know, there's always something greater you can lose. Mm -hmm. You know, for you, you lost a pair of shoes. Some people lose their businesses. Some people lose their millions. You know, Tony Robbins lost his millions. He had a business partner who embezzled millions. Right. Um, it's, you know, what's comparatively you go, well, okay, well, his is much worse. Well, no, it's it, it. The thing is, is he learned on the scale that he needed to learn on. You learn on the scale you need to learn on. Um, the important thing is, is that, you know, we work through this stuff ourselves and then we navigate the world a little bit better you know, and, and I bet now, every time you leave your shoes at a door, you consider these could get stolen just like, you know, not really, but <laughs>
1: well, I mean, okay. It's pretty, <laughs> but I, I don't, but I, it, mean, I, I don't know if that was well, maybe the lesson. Not, uh, okay, that was well, the lesson is, yeah. in all of it for, for that one. Maybe it's not the best example of things, but I mean, I, there's, I mean, I think that with, with anything that you know when we face these these challenges there there is always a lesson in it once you can get past being angry about shit and being or like there's there's some sort of um a valuable lesson of something that you're holding on to of something that you thought was important <laughs> that isn't important at all and it's an amazing thing to come to to realize that, to be like, Oh, I used to think that this shit was important mm. and it's not right. You know, you just let go of something that was like, was actually hanging on to you. That was holding you back. So it's like a, like you're kind of talking about attachment, detachment type of thing. Yeah. yeah, man. I don't know. We're talking about so much shit in this one, man. man like, we this just, is...
0: we like, who knows what this one's about, right? Yeah.
1: Who knows? Yeah.
0: Um, we're going to call it something. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, I I don't know. We've been talking about all this nonsense. I, I
1: (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe it. it? I love it because it's like, it's like, it's great, but yeah, to a degree it's a bit of nonsense, but Uh, you know, we're doing our best
0: nonsense doing our best to try and, you know, work this stuff out and, you know, we go off on some topics. It's all, it's all fine. Thanks for hanging in. I, I think the thing is, is, you know, if I'm going to leave you with anything after all this nonsense, yeah, (laughs) is just go in the world and, you know, go in the world and look at how you can give, look how you can create a value, look how you can offer a value, look how you can participate. You know, you're going to create self-esteem. You're going to start to see what you can do. You're going to start to see what you can offer. You're going to see the effect it has on other people. It's not only going to make you feel better about yourself and what you're capable of, but the law of reciprocation is going to kick in, not with everybody, but a few people and enough people. And then through that law of reciprocation, what's going to end up happening is those people will give, and then you'll, they'll introduce you to other people who are giving. And because if they're given, they don't want to be hanging out with other people that are entitled takers either. So eventually you'll start to navigate yourself to a circle of givers. And as you do that, you will build each other. Yeah. And uh, I was listening to a success talk just the other day this from Success Magazine and the speaker, which I don't remember his name at the moment, but he was talking about he's like my fortune changed when I realized how much work other people could do for me. And the point was not that what he could get from these other people, but the point was that he recognized that by giving to people, they they give back to you and you, you give to one person and they add one other person to you and give it to them. Now you have two people giving to you. Now, if those two people share to another person or you affect three and, and you know, it's that all of a sudden, once you have several people helping you out because they want to, not because you told them to not because you're paying them, not because they have to, but because they literally want to help you. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you go from being one person into being several people plus yourself. And then, if that goes well, and they want to share with you a whole bunch of other things, that goes on. You know, I uh, that that show that we did. You know, um, soldiers. Uh, we had a crew and and a team of 123 people with almost no money. And people would come to me and they'd be like, "How did you do this? How did you put all this together?" And it was simple. It was a simple strategy. I tried to create something that would give everybody value. And in turn, it gave me value. And that was the idea. I looked at all my acting friends and I said, man, I got some great actors who aren't booking work here and I'd love to help them out. I'm going to create, I'm going to, I'm not just going to create a web series with a few roles. I'm going to create it. And I created 42 roles and I made sure every role was good. I made sure every role that we added was something that could be expanded into another character or whatever. Yeah, And the actors loved it and they were, they bring their A game to it. And we attracted some great actors who, who, who a lot of them booked series afterwards. We attracted professional crews, you know, and eventually we attracted financing. We basically got everything. We, we made a show that we had to do wardrobe 42 people. And, and we had to have, you know, literally like 20 or 30 extras in some scenes with full military wardrobe and props yeah and explosions and visual effects and all this stuff. And so, you know, what it was simply the law of reciprocation, you know, as you give people want to give back. And so what ends up happening is everyone feels appreciated they're giving and we can build empires like this. yeah You know, and the only way that I got in my own way was that I allowed a few people to get me to, to their damaging behavior to affect my path, Mm. to make me retreat and retract and feel scarce. They didn't make me feel that way. I chose to feel that way Mm -hmm. because I got scared because I got scared of being out in the world so vulnerable and so open and so exposed that I decided to, instead of going from that base model, which was to give and to offer value and to help I, I made it, um, what's the word? I made it conditional, mm. right? And so the thing is, is when, when, when the the other thing I want to share, and this is the last lesson I would say moving forward, and you know, I'm reapplying this in my life and I feel that things are really blossoming once again in a really big way, is that you give unconditionally, but you also give with standard, meaning that you don't give to someone to get something back, You give to them whether they, you know, whether they will give you back or not. The exchange is not based on whether they will return the favor, you know, and whether they have been um, screwy to you in the past or whatever. You don't hold anything against them. There is nothing there, but you give with standard, meaning that you have a standard of the type of people that you want to have around your life, and so it's not that you ever feel fault for giving to people who don't meet your standard but you simply start putting your energy to people who want to live up to the standard you want. And if anyone doesn't, you go and you talk to them and say, listen, this is what I want. This is what I'm looking for in the world. This is why. Do you want to be a part of that? You don't have to, but do you want to be a part of it with me? Because this is what I want to do. And if you don't, it's okay. But if you don't, we're going to go our separate ways. If you do, then let's work on this together. And they can decide. You don't, you don't decide for them. You let them make the decision and then they will fire themselves or hire themselves. And that's how you navigate the world. And I think if we did that, if everybody did that, what we could have in the empires, we could all build
1: together. Yeah.
0: Amazing. Right. Because, because there will never be scarcity. Everybody will be giving and the people who fire themselves will fire themselves and they'll be off in their scarce world. And the people who don't, the people who hire themselves will be other people who offer value because it's with standard. The standard is, listen, if, if, if I'm going to give to you, and I'm going to bring you to be a part of this, what I want you to do is I want you to bring something to the table. What, and I always ask this when I, when I bring any new client into my business, at the end of the conversation, I will always ask this question. Why should I work with you? what do you bring to the table? And they will tell me, they'll say, well, I'm motivated. I'm driven. I'm this. And then they have an opportunity to live up to that once we start working together. And if they don't, they will no longer be a client of mine. We'll go our separate ways. I'll go my separate way. And I will find a new client. I'll find other clients who want to. And the thing is, is the benefit they get is now that I've acquired many clients who are of offering of giving value. Now you become a part of a community that wants to give. And that's why things flourish. Yeah but it's simple, simple principle ultimately, right? It's that it's that give without condition, but
1: give with standard. Mm-hmm. That's what I have to say. Fantastic. Yeah, man. And I'll pick it up from there on terms of, yeah, like this was very much about like giving them value. And I think that when you shift to that mindset of giving something of value and really connecting to what it is that you're you are giving, you know, cause that's a, that's a really important thing to, to establish. And I think that, you know, you're on the right path when the thing that you're giving is of value to you, whether like you feel valuable for giving it despite whatever you get out, but you feel, you feel of value just for giving it. Mm-hmm. That's like a great sign that you're, in the right field, <laughs> you know you're doing sort of you're on the right track, and and yeah, and to give, to give things of value, and and then to trust, to trust the rest, right, and to just continue and commit to it, hmm. commit to doing that thing. Um, that seems to be like the one of the greatest keys to success in in all areas. You know, this is not just a financial thing. You know, in terms of giving a value, this is this is this is in all realms of life. Um, and what else was this one about? There well, was, there
0: you, was some, we talked about the what if and yes. And that was, that that was the, another, that was another thing I wanted
1: yeah. So switch your mind from, instead of going, what ifs with your fears and so what's to your dreams, switch it around and say, so what to your fears and what if to your dreams? Um, and you're, you are a super, you have a superpower and it's your mind Yeah, and you know, and you can apply it how you choose to. So know that when you are for every negative and positive thing that is happening, you are choosing it. You're choosing to feel that way. You are choosing to, to, um, and in some ways this relates to that whole, so what, and what if, you know, you can often catch yourself in subtle little ways doing that to yourself. You know, it's like, your mind is choosing and you're allowing it, you know, sometimes like you're, you're just so accustomed to doing it you have to start to break that pattern. You got to interrupt that pattern. Um, but you'll catch yourself in these little ways doing this thing of, so what to your dreams and what if to your fears, catch yourself doing that and know that you don't have to do that. You can switch the pattern. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's, that's what I'm going to leave it. I'm just going to. That's great, man. I'm I'm glad you brought that back in because I was, you know, I was really thinking that was an
0: important part that we
1: we covered. And despite uh, all of the, the kind of like the craziness of this, there was some, there was some nugs in here. (laughs) (laughs) Some good nuggets. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, we went off a little bit. You know, I was just thinking uh, before we close this little baby off, um, is that for our listeners out there, if, uh, if you ever want to find out if a podcast really has some lessons or some things that you really like, go to the last 15 minutes of the episode, listen to us, close it off. Cause we always wrap it up with our points. I mean, we yeah. could even make little mini episodes. Maybe we will eventually of just what we uncovered after the big talk. And mm-hmm. then if you like what we wrap it up with, go back and listen to the talk with that in mind, because, uh, it's usually by the end because we're, it's more of a discovery, this, these uh, podcasts than they are like, uh, we know what we're doing. We kind of have an idea of what we're doing when we get into it. Not on,
1: not so serious Sunday. We don't know what we're doing, but no, part of what keeps this interesting for us is that like, we don't really know what we're going to find, right? Like, like we, we just figure stuff out sometimes. A lot of the times we just figure stuff out on the fly and learn stuff ourselves. So Yeah, it's what makes it valuable for us, and thanks for joining in on that journey. That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family, or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely
0: will. Thanks.